Welcome to the Game Changers Podcast, where we connect trending evidence-based pharmacotherapy to your pharmacy and medicine practice. Today, we're reviewing whether there's an association between the use of ADHD medications and the risk of cardiovascular disease. Let's listen in. Welcome to Game Changers Clinical Conversations. I'm your host, Jeff Wall, Professor of Pharmacy Practice at Drake University. Today, we're going to talk about a paper that just was published um, a couple of weeks ago, taking a look at medications for uh, attention deficit and hyperactivity disorder, ADHD, and cardiovascular safety. Now, for the pharmacists listening, I'm sure you're probably shaking your head if you work in the community because you're going, yeah, I haven't seen any medications for ADHD in a while because as most of the pharmacists listening will, will attest to, you can't get any, uh, particularly Adderall is, has been long uh, gone and, and it's reaching, a, from what I've talked to uh, uh, colleagues of mine in, in the community setting, is really reaching a bit of a crisis because, you know, these patients have to be switched to, you know, other older medications or medications may not work. And so, yeah, it's, it's getting to be a big, big deal. And it's, I, if I had to guess, I'd say it's among the top 10 type of shortages that, that community pharmacists are dealing with right now. So it's, it's certainly an important issue just because of, of the fact we've got a shortage, but it's also an important issue to look at why we have the shortage. And of course, the big reason why we have the shortage is the skyrocketing diagnoses of, of ADHD, uh, which is, is uh, led to, to this as well. So we know that HDHD is, is, is one of the most common neurodevelopmental disorders um, that people can have. It's characterized by inappropriate inattention and or hyperactivity impulsivity symptoms starting in childhood. And then it can persist into adulthood, but sometimes it doesn't. Um, but sometimes even in, in patients who are elderly, they can still have symptoms of ADHD. So there's a cohort of patients who only have ADHD symptoms in childhood, and then it kind of goes away as they get older. But there is a significant minority of patients who, who do have symptoms that persist into adulthood and beyond. So we know that the primary treatment for ADHD, which has always seemed pretty paradoxical to me, but, but I understand why it works, of course, is stimulants and non-stimulants uh, that are the primary pharmacologic treatment for ADHD. And, and there's some non-pharmacologic treatments as well. Uh, as I mentioned before, the prevalence of ADHD has, has uh, increased substantially in many countries. Countries. And, and if you take a look at just overall diagnoses of, 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 of this mental disorder or developmental disorder, it basically uh, uh, is a straight line up. And that was before the pandemic. And there's some evidence now that suggests post-pandemic uh, that those numbers have increased even further. So the bottom line is we've got a lot of, of patients who have been diagnosed with ADHD. Um, that plus some of the, of the post-pandemic um, um, supply chain issues has basically led to, to, again, as I said before, Adderall essentially being out of stock nationwide here in the United States. So, so what does this paper do? Well, this paper tries to take a look at the cardiovascular safety of these medications. Um, as you might suspect, and I've always wondered, you know, since many Many of these drugs are derivative derivatives of stimulants, uh, derivatives of, of, of amphetamine, one would wonder about the long-term cardiovascular safety of these medications because they essentially rev up heart rate and blood pressure. So they, they, they do note in this paper that, you know, RCTs have, have suggested that ADHD meds are efficacious um, for reducing symptoms, but they've always had a difficult time looking at cardiovascular safety because the treatment window is so short, right? So, um, um, uh, you know, the, the, state, the studies just basically aren't long enough to, to let you know, gee, you know, down the road, or we can have a problem with, with, with cardiovascular stuff. Short-term studies have suggested, especially the older stimulant drugs do have, because of their dopaminergic and adrenergic effects, do have a small increase in heart rate and blood pressure. Uh, and that's what many, other, many RCTs have shown. And so that it is kind of, it is kind of reasonable to say, well, gee, if that happens long-term in patients and they have, you know, they can develop hypertension easier or something along those lines, you know, would that increase the risk of heart attacks or strokes down the road? There's been, uh, because of this, you know, 
kind of question mark. Uh, there's been several other uh, meta-analyses that has kind of tried to answer this question. Uh, there was a Cochrane review of RCTs that found that stimulant methylphenidate was associated with an increased pulse or heart rate, but it, it again, could only look at the short-term effects. It's really going to be difficult to use RCTs as the benchmark here, of course, because no RCT is going to go on and on and on for years and years and years to try and answer this question. And that's really what you need to do, especially in younger patients. You know, if someone is on stimulants when they're 20 to 24, um, you know, it's going to be very difficult to say, well, when they're 35 or 40, did, you know, did they end up developing, you know, cardiovascular stuff? And there's any, is there any sort of connection or correlation between those two? So as you might imagine, uh, RCTs have not given us the answer really about uh, long-term safety uh, of the, of the, of the ADHD meds, particularly as stimulants. So what other authors have done, of course, is then had to take a look at meta-analyses from from you know cohort or retrospective studies, and that's really what what some other authors have done, and they have basically noted that that there is a positive association. For example, one uh, analysis found that uh, there was a positive association between ADHD medications and risk of sudden death or arrhythmia, but not for stroke, MI, or all cause mortality. And um, not really sure, you know, <laughs> one's not necessarily better than another. I mean, you know, well, I you know, the good news is you don't you know you don't get a heart attack or all cause mortality. The bad news is that you're increased risk of sudden death. So um, that's that's kind of problematic, as you might imagine. Um, there's some other uh, meta-analyses that have, have, have not shown that, that uh, correlation or association. And that study that we just talked about does, uh, others have noted that it had uh, uh, very narrow outcome definitions and was missing several important studies that they collected for their meta-analysis. So bottom line is uh, when not even meta-analyses can give you a final answer, uh, we will continue to have large meta-analyses that keep being updated with the latest studies to try and figure out what's going on. And that's the study we're going to talk about today. It was a comprehensive study uh, designed to, to really update, uh, do an updated systematic review and meta-analysis to assess the associations between ADHD medications and the risk of a broad range of cardiovascular events. Um, they also, in the study, which I think was good and has not been done in previous meta-analyses, really was to try and, and see if there's any difference in association by age, by gender, by type of cardiovascular events in patients who might have pre-existing uh, cardiovascular conditions. So you could argue that that in addition to being pretty updated, I was I was impressed that they also wanted to take a look at, at, at a number of outcomes, and they also wanted to, to, to subdivide the, the populations and into some uh, demographic uh, characteristics that may help us pick one thing over another, basically. So again, an updated meta-analysis and systematic review. It was conducted uh, according to the meta-analysis of observed studies in epidemiology, or the MOOSE criteria. I'm not going to lie, I've never heard of the MOOSE criteria. I've, most of the meta-analysis I read uses the PRISMA criteria, uh, but I did look it up, and it certainly seems like to be a reasonable thing to use, especially in observational studies compared to the PRISMA. So that was, I thought that was interesting. Um, maybe I'm just a nerd to think that's kind of interesting. So uh, like most meta-analyses and systematic reviews, they did a, a big search in Medline, uh, Embase, PsycInfo, Web of Science, et cetera, et cetera. It's always kind of the standard here. They went all the way up to May 1st, 2022. They used a wide variety of keywords. They did also, interestingly, have a, uh, a they point out in the study, have a university librarian, which I think is always a good idea in these studies to help you make sure you get stuff. Uh, they also perform manual searches in reference lists of original publications to review uh, other pertinent public studies. And they wanted to include, again, all types of observational studies. So again, keep in mind, these aren't RCTs because RCTs won't give us the information that we're looking for. So they included all types of observational studies, including associations between ADHD medication use and the risk of cardiovascular disease. They did exclude review articles, of course, animal research, of course, and conference abstracts. Uh, and they, uh, they again note that the only reason they, they excluded RCTs is that 
they're just they, their time window is too short and they just wouldn't wouldn't help anything so they'd also excluded studies that didn't have a comparator group and studies uh, with abuse or misuse of ADH medication is the exposure so um, they uh, they basically then pulled the studies like all meta-analyses then uh, individual authors then reviewed them they uh, made the go no go on whether they were to be added to the meta-analysis and then of course like a lot of these uh, disagreements was resolved through discussion and consensus they did use the grace checklist version which is the the good research for comparative effectiveness uh, which was used for quality assessment they note that the grace checklist is specifically tailored to look at observational studies and, and in medical treatment so that's I, that's good and i actually have heard of, of the grace checklist before um and then when we get to statistics as you might imagine whenever we get into meta-analyses the statistics get very hairy very very quickly um and, but but from what i'm reading um they, they it seemed reasonable the characteristics uh, uh of all included studies were described they calculated hazard ratios using cox regression and poison regression all makes sense. Uh, they did a logistic regression analysis where they had a model that they looked at at a wide variety of different demographic and, 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 and other characteristics. Um, and uh, they they uh, um, then used random effects models to look for heterogeneity. It is worth noting that I think going into this study, they knew that the heterogeneity was going to be high because um, they looked at patients of all ages. So kids, you know, children could be in, included, studies with children could be included as well as adults. Um, and the outcomes would be kind of different between them as they pointed out, you know, a lot of the a lot of the observational studies had different outcomes. So I think they knew going into this heterogeneity was, was going to be high. Again, that doesn't necessarily mean this, that the meta-analysis is bad. It's just something to kind of keep in mind as, as, as they go along. They did use the Cochrane Q test, which is the standard way to, to assess uh, and, and look for heterogeneity. That, that, that's pretty common, basically. Um, and then they meta-analyzed meta across our, our relative risks across all the studies. Then they divided things by age groups. So children and adults were one group, young and middle-aged adults were one group, and older adults. Um, they wanted to, to look at, at gender. They wanted to look at, at uh, uh, um, length of time on, on ADHD drugs, et cetera, et cetera. They did look for publication bias, which I think all good meta-analyses should do. And they did the, the funnel plot um, to see if, if, if there was a big difference in, in, in where the, the funnel plot lied. And if they did see that, they did, uh, did uh, they tested quantitatively with the Egger test, which is the standard test, again, to look for differences in, in, in a publication bias. Uh, they did a number of subgroup analyses. And you know, whenever you read a meta-analysis, meta-analysis they of course have the gigantic you know uh, uh, forest plot with you know 10,000 different little arrows and boxes and, and, and diamonds on them so that's what they kind of did here as well uh, some of the subgroup analysis they did look at stimulant versus non-stimulant medication they did look at at any type of cardiovascular disease and, and they had a fairly a long list including cardio, uh, cardiac arrest tachyarrhythmias cerebral vascular disease myocardial infarction cardi uh, cardiac death you know all-cause mortality etc cetera, etc cetera. Uh, they did look at any patients who had a history with and without cardiovascular disease. And then they also divided things up into, you know, ADHD medications, yes, particularly stimulants uh, who had invasions with cardiovascular disease uh, by gender. So if a male had cardiovascular disease and was on a, on a stimulant, they looked at that. If a female who had cardiovascular disease was on a stimulant, they looked at that as well. And so again, statistics were, were, were kind of complex, but again, not nothing that jumped out at me when I read it that I was like, oh, that's kind of strange or unusual or anything along those lines. So what did they find in the study? Well, we will get to the results of that right after this word from CE Impact. CE Impact CE memberships help you connect your learning to practice with unique education like this podcast. Go to ceimpact.com to learn more. So we're back on Game Changers talking about a recent meta-analysis published that takes a look at, at uh, cardiovascular safety 
of uh, ADHD medications, particularly stimulants. Uh, it was a, a meta-analysis and systematic review that, that looked at primarily observational studies, so they'd have the window to, to uh, time window to really see if there was a difference. They included 19 studies um, uh, in this, in this meta-analysis covering a period from 2007 to 2021. Uh, taking a look at, at the overall group there, they looked at over almost 4 million patients. Now, again, that might seem weird, but again, you got to keep in mind that, uh, that uh, these were all observational studies, probably a lot of them were database studies, so they were able to pull a lot of patients from that. So that's not really all that surprising, I don't think, that, that, that there was such a, such a high number of, of, uh, of patients in, in, in these studies. So, I mean, when I read 4 million, I was kind of like, wow, I mean, uh, you know, what's going on here? But again, the reason for that is that they uh, looked primarily at observational studies. So they, the studies were primarily done in six countries of so the United States, South Korea, Canada, Denmark, and Spain, as well as Hong Kong were included. Uh, as I mentioned before, the study samples included children, adolescents, and adults. About 61% of patients were male. Average, uh, average follow-up time uh, went up to 9.5 years. And again, as we've said many times, that's kind of why you had to look at these observational studies. However, the median was only about 1.5 years. So there were some smaller uh, time frame studies as well. Those smaller time frame studies tended to be in patients who were older. So one would assume that they had less of a time window to develop cardiovascular disease. Uh, the vast majority were cohort studies, uh, though they did use three nested case control studies and, and two self-contained case series. So again, not randomized control trials, but there's no way they could have done this, I think, with, with randomized control trials. So they, what did they find? They found that ADHD medication, particularly stimulants, was not statistically significant associated with the risk of any cardiovascular disease among pretty much all the different groups. So not uh, among the children and adults. I don't think that's any surprise to anybody. Younger middle adults, uh, there wasn't an increase, but particularly older adults, uh, there was no statistically significant increase with a relative uh, ratio real risk ratio of 1.59 and a confidence interval from 0.62 to 4.05. So pretty wide confidence interval, but does cross one. So again, there was no difference in, in uh, uh, cardiovascular disease risk in, in these people who had stimulants. And they looked at overall, I mean, there was no statistically significant difference between those who had, who had taken ADH drugs and those who didn't with a hazard ratio of 1.09 and again, one that crossed one. So, so that, that was pretty simple. Uh, they note the heterogeneity in the studies was high and it was, it was over 90% in, in most of the studies. I, again, I, I'm, I'm not surprised by that because um, these were pretty disparate studies. You would almost never do a comparison in studies that look at children and adult adolescents and then ones that look at, you know, people over age 65 together. So, I mean, there's no real way. I don't think they could have done the study with a lot of, a lot, a lot of heterogeneity. So just kind of keep, keep that in mind as we go along here. However, they did do a, a secondary, secondary sensitivity analysis and they found that the results, overall results were not driven by any one study. So that's good news. Um, that, that tells us that, that, you know, sometimes one gigantic study can kind of tip the scales as, as you were of a, of a meta-analysis one way or another. And when they did the sensitivity analysis, they found that none of them did that. So when you take a look at the forest plot that they've got there, and, and we do have a link to the, to the paper in our show notes, and it's actually free to access on, on the JAMA network. Um, you know, you look at the forest plot and basically it right down the middle for everything. And so, uh, in fact, uh, the overall subgroup analysis is, is smack dab in the middle of, of, of the relative risk and, and 
and even the, the older adults, it may lean a little bit more toward um, um, higher risk cardiovascular disease, but the, the diamond does not cross, uh, diamond crosses one. So again, it's not statistically significant. Um, and then they, when they broke it up and took a, took a look at different types of medications, again, stimulants versus non-stimulants, uh, gender, all these other things, the bottom line was there was no statistically significant difference uh, in the risk of cardiovascular disease uh, between any of those outcomes, any of those patient populations and any of the cardiovascular disease outcomes. So, you know, uh, bringing everything together, basically, uh, um, the, there, there was really not any uh, specific difference between any of them, basically. So they did note that, again, that, that, that heterogeneity was fairly high, but they basically did not find a big difference between them. So, um, and so they, and again, if you can take a look at the paper, which we have shown, so I think that's certainly reasonable to do. Um, there was no association uh, for females, as I mentioned, or males. And again, the, the confidence intervals are pretty wide, even with this number of patients, but again, all crossed one. Uh, they found no statistically significant associations uh, without a history of cardiovascular disease and those with a history of cardiovascular disease. And so, you know, that's it basically. So, so no difference between a particularly stimulant ADHD medications for any of the outcomes in any of the populations they looked at causing an increase in cardiovascular disease. So in their discussion, they note that they, they found no statistically significant association between ADHD meds and cardiovascular disease among pretty much anybody. And uh, 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 the only uh, uh, subgroup analysis where they found any increased risk uh, uh, was a small increase of tachyarrhythmias, but again, it did not reach statistical significance. So, um, you know, they note in their paper that, of course, there's some limitations to the study. They mentioned the heterogeneity is high and significant. Um, it indicates that that pool relative risk ratios may not summarize the results from all the studies and should be interpreted with caution. I totally agree with that. I was kind of always taught that 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 when a, when um, a meta-analysis has, uh, when their studies have a high degree of heterogeneity, that just means they tried to smush together a whole bunch of, of different populations or different outcomes to try and come up with one. And again, that doesn't mean that the meta-analysis is invalid, but it just means that you need to kind of take a look at the outco outcomes with caution because, it, you know, you, you weren't able to, to get the exact same outcomes in every study or the exact same populations in every study. Meta-analyses tend to have much lower uh, heterogeneities, of course, when, when this, the studies are very close together. They, they looked at the same outcomes. They had same populations. But in this case, they just simply couldn't do that. So what do we tell patients about this? Because this, this paper did, I think, uh, garner some lay media coverage and, and, lay, and, and, and I think you might get patients coming in and saying, okay, well, you know, how do I really interpret this? And, and I think that what we basically say is, is that, you know, we've long considered the fact that, that stimulant medications in particular may increase risk of cardiovascular disease. Um, this does not, this is not going to be the final word on that because I'm sure somebody in the next five or 10 years will do another gigantic uh, uh, meta-analysis. Uh, and if there's any new studies that have been published between now and then, they'll add those because I'm not really sure we're going to be able to come up with a, a, you know, tie breaking final, you know, this is the final answer sort of thing, because um, of the, the observational nature of, of these studies, and, and the, the fact that you do have a high heterogeneity of these studies, that you can't just say, okay, well, in, you know, young adults who are female, who are on stimulants, there's no increased risk. You know, I, I think that that unfortunately, uh, that there will probably never be a final study that kind of answers that question. But I think what what we can take away from this is that. Um, the, the evidence we have suggests that uh, patients can continue to take ADHD medications really without fear of an increased risk of cardiovascular disease um, or, or, or events. And, and the, the best data that we have to date suggests that they're safe to do that, even if they're taking stimulants. Now, um, you know, every drug that we take is a risk versus benefit ratio. And so, you know, this isn't the final word on this, but I think that, that it's something to, 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 to kind of say, okay, the, the evidence to date, the latest evidence to date, does not suggest this, 
Um, so, you know, when patients ask you about it, say, you know, we won't know the final answer, but, but it certainly seems reasonable that, that uh, the data we have to date does not suggest a, a, an increased risk. The patients should certainly do whatever they can to, to modify their own risk, and that's a whole other uh, podcast in and of itself, but bottom line is that, is that uh, they can continue to take their stimulant medications if they can ever get them, uh, that uh, if they can ever get them back in the pharmacy, um, that, that will help them do that. So that's really the, the ending of the study, and uh, again, those of you who do deal with ADHD uh, medications or patients with this, this disease state, I think it, it does give us some, some, uh, some level of comfort that they, these drugs seem relatively safe for this arena. So that's it for this week's Game Changers. Thanks again for listening to us. We'll see you next week, but until then, remember, time flies. I don't know where it's going, but the most important day is today. We'll see you then. Thanks for breaking down the data for us, Dr. Wall. CE Impact members, don't forget to claim your CE for today's episode. If you aren't a member, sign up today to get CE each week just for listening in. See the show notes for more information. We'll talk to you next week on the Game Changers Pharmacotherapy Podcast.